0: Hello again everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. I have next to me the co- my co-pilot, the, the great one, the podfather Doug Tonis. How you doing brother? Oh, just living the dream. Three and two Doug, <laughs> three and two. We are, you know what, I doubt my own prophetic abilities, I can't even believe it. I knew this year was going to be special and lo and behold we're three and two. What say you? <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know that 3-2 and two is as special as you think it is, but uh, I'm glad you're excited.
0: Well, I didn't expect this to be 3-2. and two. i got to be honest with you, I didn't expect this to beat Boston. I mean, I know I pro- prophesized this year, but so far so good, don't you think? I mean, I, I'd have to say after five games, I'm a little bit more optimistic on where this team is going than I had been during the preseason.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, it, it's funny because if you went back – and you looked at where the Bulls were about midway through the first quarter against Boston, you'd have been like, ready, trade everyone, fire everyone, screw this team. Rebuild. Uh, Rebuild. We're down by, like, God, it was like near 20 points. And then since then, it's just been fantastic, right? Like, just one fantastic thing. I mean, they then make a 40-point swing, in the remaining three-and-a-half quarters of that game against Boston – and, you know, like I think the Indiana game was a huge shock that we won that game. But then, you, you know, you beat Indiana by a good margin. And so you got two quality wins in, against Boston and Miami. And Miami is struggling right now. You had a, like a very near loss against Washington with Levine out. And, you, you know, had that one kind of blowout to Cleveland. But I think blowing out Boston, you know, like that's, that's kind of a wash. So, you know, you feel pretty good about this team, you know, relative to, I think, where we felt at the beginning of the season.
0: No doubt, no doubt. So, I mean, I'm you know ecstatic about DeMar DeRozan has looked absolutely fantastic and very little drop-off since last year so far. I think Zach Levine, we should all be encouraged uh, after being initially, obviously, disappointed with his absence in the first two games. I think he's looked remarkably well overall on the offensive end. He's really brought it, and especially uh, last night against Indiana, had a fantastic game. Um, and Vooch has, you know, surprised me with some relatively solid plays, still very disappointing from the three-point line. But rebounding the ball extremely well, playing well at a post, passing well, setting good solid picks. I, those three guys, are, are three big big guys are, are really bringing it. And that's probably, I think, probably the, the primary reasons outside of Io's emergence as to why the Bulls are playing relatively well. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I would say the big surprise, Prizes maybe relative to preseason is Goran Dragic has has played fantastic, and Mm -hmm. Andre Drummond coming off the bench has just been really big compared to what we had last year. So I would I would throw those in as two other pretty big reasons as as to what we are. I mean, the the bench play has really elevated the team. The bench is what took control of the game against Boston. The bench is what you know really. Uh, did a great job against Indiana, too. So I think that unit where they kept Zach out and they played him with you know, generally uh, Caruso, Dragic, Drummond, and Green, like that unit has been really fantastic. And uh, mm-hmm. I, so I, I, would, I would not overlook what those guys have done.
0: And surprisingly, like some of the key bench players haven't played well. Kobe White shooting only 26% from three. I don't think he's really played up to his – anywhere near up to his ability. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Goran's been – fantastic i mean shooting 61 percent from the three-point line just played out of his mind he's been bringing steady leadership and, and i think an excellent point guard he's, he's actually surprised me about how well he's passed the ball i didn't expect him to do that my concerns about him are, are though you know is this going to keep up right like i mean you've seen significant decline in the last three years in his in his game and i thought he looked awful for the most part in a few of the preseason games no doubt, so far this year, he's been absolutely spectacular. Is that going to continue? I don't see it happening. What say you? Uh,
1: I mean, I don't know. if He's going to be spectacular, but is is a guy? You look at the things he's doing well so far, and I think those things are things that I think can continue. I think he is an excellent passer. You know, like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that's something that's going to fall off a cliff there. And he, and he's running the offense really well. What we've noticed, at least what I've noticed with Gorin being in there, is like the Bulls really don't have a point guard, and Gorin is a real point guard. Like with Lonzo out, they, they have no point guard, and Gorin, when he comes in there, like the offense is, is very smooth. And then you look at the rest of things like, is he going to shoot 61% from three this year? No. <laughs> like, I don't think we expect that to happen. <laughs> I so, doubt it. So that's, a, you know, like obviously <laughs> there's some, some drop off there, but can he shoot 35% from three? Yeah, I think that. And can he shoot better than 35% from two? Probably. So like there's going to be, you know, maybe that individual scoring aspect is going to be a little bit less than it's been, but I think overall his impact is going to be pretty solid. I think he can keep his assists up. I think he can continue to play that point guard role and lead an offense really effectively. And, and so I think that is, is really promising. One of my buddies, he's a Miami fan. He works with me. He's from Florida. And he was just saying, like, Mm -hmm. man, it's so depressing to watch Goran Dragic kick our ass while fat ass Kyle Lowry is like sitting there sucking wind. And he's like, we traded like a first round pick to swap these guys, and now we're paying Lowry like 28 million a year more. Uh, You know, it's just so, so it's just kind of funny. It's like the reverse of the Vooch trade, um, you know, from from that perspective. So, you know, I don't know that Goran's going to be a star, but I I think he's going to really add. You know, solid play to our bench, and I, I do anticipate him continuing to make a very strong, um, you know, st- strong effort and um, you know impact on the game game for us no, from from no that rotational that.
0: role. Extremely tough player, and he is averaging four assists and only seventeen minutes of games, with just an amazing statistic. As I said before, sixty-one percent from the three-point line. It's that there's no way that continues, but. I mean, he's bringing everything we were hoping for and more. So there's no doubt there. I agree with your your previous statement. I would also counter. It. I don't even think Lonzo Ball is a real true point guard. He's more of a off guard three point shooter who is excellent in transition, but in the half court, he's not really a he's
1: um, not a half court creator tra-
0: traditional point point guard. Yeah, he's not. But he's but not but a I think traditional. He, but I think he still is a good passer in the half half court. Oh no yeah, doubt. I mean, he's still yeah, a good passer. Like
1: yeah. Goran's not a tremendous creator in the half court either. Um, but he, but he moves yeah. the ball well, finds the right guy. I think Lonzo's got that that vision. It uh, just doesn't have the step to like do do really amazing things. But uh, but either way, Goran yeah. still might be the best point guard on the roster, even with ball back, in terms of just like guard skills. Like he like that literally may be true, which is an
0: interesting thought. So again, in summary, um, you know. Zach comes back, he's shooting 57% from three, just playing out of his mind, 23.3 points per game in 31 minutes. DeMar, Mr. Consistent again, 24.8. In 34 minutes, I think he's been overall absolutely fantastic and hasn't really dropped off at all from last season. Um, But the third player that we both were down on uh, you know, Vucevic is uh, obviously his three-point percentage of 28.6 is very disappointing after five games, and that needs to improve if we really want to optimize the the ceiling for this team. But overall, some of his rebounding numbers, 11.8 per game in 31 minutes, and his assist numbers—he's uh, averaging three assists per game out of the center position. I think overall we got to be pretty happy with how he's played so far. Although he is not getting to the line as much as you'd like to see. Actually 4.8 that's not, not he, horrible
1: for him. He had like one game where yeah. he got there 10 times and it was his career high and then outside of that yeah. he's, he's done nothing. And and like if you kind of like individually watch a lot of the times he got to the line, he got a lot of bailout calls even in those. Um, so whatever. I mean no, he's agree. never gotten to the line much and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, his, his number this year is high because of, of the one game and 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 some stupidity by the opposing team. But like from a yeah, his game is just not one that generates free throws, and there's no reason to, to think that's going to change at this age, right? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, but overall, I think, would you concur with me? He's been pleasant surprise outside of the three-point shooting.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been closer to the player we thought we were getting. Um, you know, I, th- I think kind of – Five games. When I, when I think about it, it's like I'm like, yeah, this is sort of close to what we thought we were getting when we, we got Vooch. It's still less than that. Mm-hmm. But it's so much better than last year that it feels phenomenal.
0: Like, yeah, it feels that's amazing. Probably a good description. But it's like, like okay, yeah.
1: he's still shooting 42% from the field, um, which is not great. And he's still getting mostly, like, gimme takes. Whatever. He's close to what we thought we were getting. Um, nothing changes my mind about what a disaster I think the trade was. But I'm glad he's playing much better, right? Like that's all sunk cost at this point. And I've talked about we need to stop harping on it because it just doesn't matter right now. What matters is is Vooch playing better than he is last year and, and they're using him differently. His three point percentage is is still lousy, but his attempts seem a little bit more under control. They're getting a lot of attempts inside the paint now. Uh, I like I like that. I think that's that's been better from he's shooting a lot better from two this year. Effectively, he's not missing all those bunnies he was missing earlier. You know, like so so that's good. And uh, his passing has been better. His engagement seems better. I, I think he's still like a complete train wreck defensively. But but whatever, he's he's much better, and that's great. It's helping the team a lot that he's he's playing better. You know, like we never expected him to be great defensively, so the fact that he's still not is not like any huge shock. But, but he's now contributing offensively. You know, his true shooting percentage is at 55%, which is, you know, really low for a center, but it's – you know, it's back within the ballpark of, of the league average, at least. Well, Respectability. Yeah, it's at least respectable. Yeah. It's not yeah. like – like, he, he literally was so bad last year. Like, you could debate about whether he should even play. And I know people don't want to hear that, but that's true. And this year now he's playing like – he's playing like a quality player. Like, he's having a quality season. If you ignored what we paid to get him and all this other stuff, he's having a quality season. He's like a guy you're happy to have on the roster. At the end of the game, you think, like, yeah, Vuce should probably be the center that's out there. You know, he's, he's having a quality season. So I, that that's tremendous to see.
0: I will admit I was very hesitant to embrace this Vooch in the post, throw it to him, and, you know, kick it back out. I think that's kind of a archaic uh, answer uh, offensively. But I have been pleasantly surprised with how it's worked. And, and you know, when you get the right matchups, I think it can be effective. I think it's going to be even more effective when Kobe starts hitting at an acceptable rate. So I, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with how he's played so far. I mean, I still get quotes and tweets from – couple of my close friends who I respect, Ribman sent me one last night. I think Vooch, hit, and I'll, I'll share it with the audience, quote-unquote, I think Vooch has such big shorts because he's wearing concrete underwear. Two firsts and one doll for a guy who looks like he's running in a pool, end quote. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I did enjoy that one. <laughs> running in a pool is pretty good. But yeah, I agree, like, yeah, he's never going to be great defensively, all that, but he does rebound the hell out of ball, which I do love. And you know, I, I as I said before, I have been pleasantly surprised with the inside-out game that everybody, all the uh, old-timers seem to embrace. I do want to also add the fourth player in double digits per game so far, Io DeSumo, 45% from three on four attempts per game, shooting the ball extremely well, 87 From the free throw line, he hasn't missed a free throw yet, so he's 1,000%. Um, he's 100%. 1.2 steals per game, 3.6 assists and 5 rebounds per game in only 31 minutes. I think overall, yeah, he's not a, probably a true point guard, more of a combo guard, off guard. But he's really, I think, embraced the role, pushed the ball well. Overall played exceptionally well uh, with, you know, I, one or two bad games in there. But overall, I think out of the five that he's played, Io has brought it. And he's a big reason why we're over 500. What say you?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I guess if you look at it this way, uh, if you want to guess whether the Bulls won a game or lost a game, you should go look at Iowa's box score. <laughs> because the two games he lost were the two games they were he was terrible in, right? Like he was in the in the Washington and Cleveland game, he was uh twenty five percent from three, two of eight combined, and uh, you know, five of sixteen from the field combined, and uh, also had only two and a half assists uh, per game, average two and three in those games. So those were the two games he played poorly in, and the Bulls lost those two games. And then you know, against Miami, he was fantastic. Against Boston, he was unreal. I mean, 22 points on 10 shots um, is unreal. Uh, over two points a shot is not something you see a whole lot, uh, especially when it wasn't like he had like tons and tons of uh, of, of, of uh, free throws. He had zero free throws. So to be over two points a shot with no free throws uh, is, is pretty insane. And, and you know, gonna see wasn't maybe amazing against Indiana but but was solid against Indiana. So, you know, Iowa's really been been the the difference in in the wins and losses so far when he's playing well versus when he's not playing well. He's
0: leading the team in effective field goal percentage over 60%. Only guy on the team at that rate. I mean, that that shooting at this rate is not going to continue. It's, it's impossible, but you know, that said, he's clearly clearly made another jump in year 2. And I think we should all be excited as bull fans about the progression of, of Io. And, you know, when ball comes back, it's only going to make us better as we have a really rock-solid guard rotation. And it does allow us to potentially make a trade, you know, the, with one of the players in the backcourt that could hopefully, you know, make us a little bit more well-rounded because there are still issues in the front court. To that end, I want to get on to, you know, briefly, we've kind of hammered this home in previous episodes, but... Uh, it does deserve a discussion on what you think so far about what we're getting from Patrick Williams, who last night did play slightly better. Uh, one of the few players on the team went a negative plus minus, and the, we continue the horrible trend. I know people don't like that stat, but every time he's on the court, in general, the Bulls get their ass kicked. Uh, that's got to eventually change if we want this guy to continue to start. But what say you about Patrick Williams and his performance so far? This yeah, I
1: think what is interesting about Pat Williams is, in, in terms of his plus minus is it's like, it's just so starkly different than everyone else he plays with. Like if you look at like on the the season right now, Pat's a minus 35.4. All right. So Zach is a plus 28.3. You know, DeMar uh, is a minus 1.7. Ios is a minus 13. Vuc is a minus 8.7. So those are the kind of guys he's like playing with generally speaking. And, uh, you know, he's just—it's just his number just stands out. Like, you know, the bench is a, a tremendous plus-minus; they've been fantastic, and it's, it's a very small amount of games. But it's just like he's—you're right—he just stands out. It's just this guy is a sore thumb. And when you watch him, like you're like, yeah, of course. Uh, did you see the video I posted on Patrick Williams rebounding?
0: I did not, but I can't wait to see it. Is it on Twitter?
1: I, I posted on Twitter. This was, I think, an after the videos now. No, nah, I mean, oh I, I stole it from someone else. I, I no, no. <laughs>
0: Oh, got you, got you! I thought you were making some of those. No, videos no, no. Of that would be I amazing. I just,
1: I, I, yeah, I don't. But <laughs> it would be amazing if I could do that. If I find some way to, yeah, if I if I well, find like a bunch of free easy, time though. in you life, I'd take
0: out I, your iPhone and I'd love film to film it off the TV like I do and make yeah. comments and yeah. anyway, um, make fun of it. So, so I, I got it from go someone on. on
1: on Real GM, and it's it's after the Washington game. I'll I'll maybe dig it up and retweet it for you uh, today, but it shows Pat Williams rebounding, and you watch, um, you watch this guy just, just walk around him. I think it was Anthony Gill, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from Washington, like wasn't like some superstar player or anything. And um, he just like walks in front of Patrick Williams, just walks in front of him while Pat Williams doesn't rebound. Doesn't box out at all. Uh, Washington gets the rebound. It's not, and this is a defensive possession for the bulls. They get the offensive rebound. It wasn't Gill that gets the rebound, but they get the rebound. And then, It goes, shot goes up again, and Anthony Gill just walks right in front of Patrick Williams and then boxes him out. And it's just like the most disgusting level of like lack of either awareness or effort or whatever that you want to see. Like a guy just like walks in front of you with no effort and then just puts his back into you and boxes you out. And you all know why Patrick Williams can't get a defensive rebound. This like 20-second clip sums it all up.
0: There's so much discussion around he needs to be more aggressive, and it's almost always regarding his, like, shot. And I find it maddening that we keep on bringing this up because unequivocally there's a game that goes by where he takes a contested jumper that I'm like, you know, what the hell are you doing Uh, lately, it seems like to me. So he's so screwed up in the head in the offensive end that he's taking bad shots. But when I hear aggression, and I think Billy Donovan had a quote about this too, which I completely agree with. I've been talking about this since he was on the court. I call him standstill P-Will because that's what he does. He gets on the court, he goes to the opposite side, and he stands there. And you, it's hard to teach aggression. You see, compare this to uh, Javante Green and some of the plays, that the, the highlight plays that he's had. Often they're off of rebounds where he's coming, flying from the opposite side, attacking the offensive boards. They want him to do that. I'm sick of the excuses about like, oh, he needs to get back, stop transition. no. That's not what they want on Patrick Williams. They want him to use his size, screaming into the offensive boards and the defensive boards, owning the boards. He's a horrible rebounder. And what I find the most frustrating about him is his absolute pathetic ability to navigate screens. It's horrific. It's horrific. He is a terrible screen navigator. In the beginning of that Boston game, they were down big immediately. It was primarily due to him. And his inability to get around obvious horn plays – that are are staples of NBA offenses all throughout the league. And he's going around half speed, dunk, dunk Tatum, dunk Tatum. The guy sucks defensively. He's not good. And he shouldn't be in the offensive lineup. And I got a question, to be honest, that why is he even in the rotation? Uh, Because Derrick Jones Jr., it should be a 10-man rotation. Right now we're 11. I think that's too big. Derrick Jones Jr. has outplayed him. He should be in that rotation ahead of him. Some cost, what say you? Some
1: cost—that's all it is. They just—they're just begging to get something out of them. That's it. They just—they mm-hmm. just want to keep hoping that with enough time, something's going to happen, and, and maybe yeah. something will. You want you want to hear a stat per minute? Yeah. I so love these it. are these are per minute numbers. Okay. So we're adjusting everyone to the same per minute numbers. How many people in the Bulls rotation do you think have fewer rebounds per minute than Pat Williams? Minimum of ten minutes played.
0: Um, let's, let me think about this. Has Malcolm Hill minimum, has he, Malcolm Hill played so 10 minutes? So Dalen
1: Terry, Tony Bradley, Marco Simonovich, and Malcolm Hill are is excluded from this. Okay.
0: I would say nobody. Maybe Goran Dragic, possibly. Two
1: people, Goran guard. Dragic and Kobe White. Pat Williams, 3.3 3 rebounds per 36 minutes. Kobe White, 2.9. Goran Dragic, 2.5.
0: And those are two guys that are playing, you know, basically essentially guard positions. Yeah, point guards. To stand out at the three point line. Alex Caruso,
1: 4.5. Io Dasumu, 5.7. DeMar DeRozan, 4.2. Zach Levine, 4.2. Javante Green, 5.8. Derek Jones Jr., 5.1. It's, 5. 1. it's, yeah, it's, it's just like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, these guys, like, every guard on the rotation has more rebounds per minute than you, except for Goran Dragic, who's like 36 old, years old and like 6'3. Like it's just ridiculous. It's just, like you and and you're right. He just stands still and he just doesn't have it. He doesn't know where he should go. It's a complete lack of awareness. And it does, you know, whatever I I said. We both said like, look it, at the time of the draft. You're you're picking this guy in potential. It's clear it didn't work. He's a bust. That is what it is. I don't see many people making excuses for him anymore. I think people finally turned the corner this year, and now most people are are in the same boat of like, yeah, there's there's no reason. I've always said there's no reason to think this guy's going to be particularly great. He's not like an elite athlete and he has no skills. You're just hoping. He's hoping he develops. That's it. And he didn't. And maybe he could have, but he didn't. You know he does have a good, you know he's, he has an above average NBA body, but it's not like an elite body, and he, and he has no skills. So and he has no aggression.
0: I don't agree with that. That he doesn't have any skills. I don't think he's, he's a, no a terrible shooter. Fine, he's I think not he a can terrible the shooter. he ball for his size. I think he's got some quickness, and I think he can pass. He doesn't have any quickness. Is a lousy first but, step. And I am talking about him that he can pass, and I don't think he has. what is he have? One assist on the season. He's I don't know. got nothing. He has no particular <laughs> court vision. Like, What's Patrick Williams assist numbers here? Let me look it up really quick. He's he has got, no particular
1: uh, court vision. He has no two like, assists. I'm not Maybe saying. You're right, Doug. I'm not saying he's like, you know, like a like a 70s center with his skill level or anything.
0: But like <laughs> right. relative, well, what you say. Relative when to you a say wing no player, skills?
1: relative to a wing player, he has no meaningful skills. Like relative to like say Jay Crowder or something, like PJ Tucker, like guys who would be that kind of like wing four type guy. He's not like you don't look at him and be like, "Wow, he can really handle the ball," or "Wow, he's got really great court vision." There's like nothing that you'd say is a plus. Like I'm not saying everything is like a zero, but like if you just said like league average for that, like he's not really above average in anything.
0: Maybe in catch and
1: shoot threes, he's above average, maybe. But he's got a slow release. He can't shoot off the dribble with his three. Like he's not doing step backs. He's not doing side step threes. One dribble. So, So it's like it's not. He can't get a lot of shots off because he's got this really quick release or anything like Lonzo Ball can. There's nothing as, like great about it. He's not like above average anywhere skill-wise, and he's like a little bit above average athletic-wise. Like a little bit. Not like insane. Like everything you see where he looks really athletic is like where he has room to load up and it's like straight line, north-south athletic speed. Doesn't have a quick first step, is not shifty, doesn't get around people. So you know, No so lateral
0: it's, quickness. It's, it's, he's it's, terrible in yeah, defending someone one-on-one. And
1: like on. I said, I don't want to mean like it's like, wow, there's no hope here. It's just like there's nothing that screams like, oh, yeah, I can see this guy is like Giannis out there. And as soon as he puts a few things together, you know, he's just going to dominate everyone. Like even if he developed a great skill level, he'd be a good player, not an
0: elite player. He'd be like OG and Anobi or something if he like developed oh, everything. Doug. This just doesn't happen when you play 3 seasons or 2 Yeah, and no, and a half I'm, not all... I'm not saying it's no, going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that was yeah, always the upside. Though... That was always yeah, everybody the Everybody talks about the upside and we can point to the one block he had. He had a, he had maybe 3 or 4 plays. My counter to that is every freaking player in the NBA, almost everyone who plays, he's almost played 2500 minutes in the NBA, should have at least 4 or 5 plays that you could point to as wow. Even Denzel Valentine in his second or third year, I can't remember what year it was, had 34 points against the Cavs, one of the best teams in the East at that time. So, like, every player can point to a few nice plays. There has been nowhere near the consistency or the total amount of plays. That would indicate to me and to you that this guy has any ability to be even a good rotation player. And let's, All-Stars off the board. He doesn't have that. He doesn't. He doesn't have the want to, the desire to dominate, the ability to do it. He's not even in that discussion. I'm hoping he's just an average rotation player. And I don't even think he can do that. So therefore, I want him moved for Jay Crowder. And everyone seems to say, you're nuts. I've already heard it from many people. This is a team that's a veteran team. Our young guys are Kobe, Io. We'll run with that and we'll see what we can get out of those guys. But Patrick, to me... He doesn't belong in rotation, and let's take him off the table. Let's move him for an asset now that at least can bring us to closer to contention. I think a guy like Jay Crowder would be an excellent addition to this team. What say you? So,
1: yeah, I think we'd be better with Jay Crowder. No uh, doubt. And, and, no and doubt. I think that's fine. But then, then you look at, like, all right, well, Jay Crowder is 32. Uh, are you going to be able to keep Jay Crowder after this? And, like, he raises the ceiling of the team. And and maybe if you trade for Jay Crowder, that might be enough to push you to the second round. Yes. Like, from from where we are now. Like, you look at this. If if Lonzo Ball came back and you had Jay Crowder, you could see how this could be a second-round team. And is that enough for you to say, like, let's do this? We're going to give up, you know, a little bit of potential? Because it's, you know, we're running out of young assets, right? Like, we're really banking... On, on having Pat Williams step up, but I think you're right. Like he's just not going to. And so, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I would make that trade, if it's on the table. And you'd have to wonder: is would Phoenix even do that at this point?
0: I hope so. I think they would. He's not playing, right? Unless I miss something. Yeah, but I mean, not... like,
1: the, like you might literally look at Pat Williams right now as a bad contract.
0: Uh, that's a that's a interesting question. I guess we we don't know how they. From what you hear, some NBA teams really valuated him highly, and other NBA teams. Yeah, but are they still
1: valuating him highly? I mean, like. <laughs> that's right. That's a, you know, that's a tough question. I mean, I mean, like, yes, at one point, people liked him, but at one point, people like a lot of guys in the draft, and then what happens is, you have to decide as they develop. Like, he's on the books next year for ten million dollars, basically.
0: I think it would be a fair trade though to send him. Yeah, to I think Jay it's Crowder. a reason I think it's a
1: reasonable right. trade. Like they're not getting anything out of Crowder, you know, Williams right. yeah, they it. can gamble on yeah. Williams maybe having some upside and maybe just change of scenery helps him, maybe shakes him out or whatever. Like I get that the team might do that and it's not like Jay Crowder is any meaningful asset. Like I don't think teams are fighting over Jay Crowder and there's like lots on the table for him. So, I think I think it's reasonable that it could be done, but I I wouldn't shock me if the Suns just said this guy's a bad deal.
0: I just think the, the whole East is in such a mess right now. I mean, the, regardless, I think we have to redo our expectations on the Sixers. I mean, our friend Marquet thought it ridiculously they were going to win in the, the East, which is laughable. Uh, but, you know, all of us had them probably in the top three. There's serious issues there. There's serious issues at, with a lot of teams in the East that we thought were going to be better the Hawks are probably better than we thought they were, but the Bucs are the team. They're a Giannis injury away from the Bulls, in my opinion, contending with ball coming back if the team is somewhat healthy, and you bring in an asset like Jay Crowder to play and start at the four. That's our issue. We have a horrible situation at the four where, God bless Javante Green, he's doing a great job on some nights, horrible job on other nights, still not shooting the three well, but he is, energy. He's a minimum player. Energy. Right. He's a minimum player. He's a, he's a thir- 29-year-old journeyman yeah. for a reason because he has limited skills. And I and he's doing a fine job. And I'm not saying take him out of the rotation. I am saying get somebody better than him. And that's Jay Crowder. Start him at the four. Put it, put put him as the backup. And now we're cooking with gas. And we have a team that can compete with other teams in this league. After watching the Cavs game, I am concerned that those guys have really passed us. And probably every other team in the East with the exception of the Bucks and Celtics. They look so freaking good, I was blown away with how good that team looked. So I am concerned that maybe we're not up to them, but the Nets look terrible. The Sixers look terrible. The East is maybe a little bit more up for grabs than we thought.
1: Yeah, Miami has not looked special. Miami has looked bad as well. And, and so I think you're looking at, to me, like Milwaukee and Boston. Like, like I don't know that you could, you could top those two teams, but if you lose to one of those teams in the second round, then oh well. Like, that, like, I'm okay maybe giving up Pat Williams if it gets me to the second round. And I think there's a pretty reasonable chance that you might be a Jay Crowder away from making that happen with how, how things are unfolding right
0: now. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I, anything else did you want to talk about before we head out in, in three minutes?
1: No, I, I, you know what? I, I, nothing that can be accomplished in three minutes. But, you know, it's, it's been a fun start to the season. I, it, it seemed really, really negative. <laughs> like I said, halfway through the first quarter of that Boston game. I was ready to just throw stuff against my TV and never watch the Bulls again, cancel the yeah. show, screw <laughs> You're everything. so right, man. And then it's You're just so like right. since then it's just like, like seeing them turn it around and beat Boston. You know, we have, we have two wins against teams we predicted to be very good this year in Miami and Boston, and I just think that's huge. You know, I think that's huge like, compared to last year. And if you start thinking like, yeah, Lonzo, who knows what's going on there? Like there's no news, and you can't trust any news till he actually plays. But if Lonzo actually comes back in February and, and you could go into the postseason healthy, like I'm starting to feel pretty good about this team, you know, if, if they can get Lonzo back.
0: agreed, healthy and 100 percent you know roaring and All, all cylinders, Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think there's a lot of Zach long-term and, upside and still well.
1: <laughs> Not a lot of long-term upside, but but it's going to be if, if Lonzo actually can come back sometime this year. I think it's going to be a fun playoffs and a a really fun second half of the season. And so even if there's not not a lot of long-term upside, I'm happy to take this year and enjoy it. It looks like it's going to be another fun year.
0: Amen, brother. Let's go, Bulls. Looking forward to talking to you again. we got two games coming up against the Spurs back-to-back, and then the Spurs and on Saturday night we're playing. um, Oh, my God. Brain cramp here. Who are we playing on Saturday at home?
1: I gotta tell you, um, I, I didn't look that far in
0: events. Oh, I got it. The Sixers. What am I talking about? That would be a huge win. So if we can, if we can go one and one. Ideal, you know. If we can go two and 0 oh, with party. One and one, great. But zero you know, oh and two would be a disaster. So um, let, let's get it done. All right. Let's help
1: San Antonio get uh, Wembenyama. You know, let's help him on that Sounds hand. good.
0: We need to because <laughs> they're winning too much. All right, brother. All <laughs> the best good. to you. Go, go bulls. To DT. Go bulls.